Well, we are uh, finishing up a series today on the best year of your life. And uh, hopefully maybe as we're coming to the end of February, some of these things that we're learning, you're starting to see a new perspective on this year and how we're, we're not just saying how can we have the best circumstances of our life this year, but how do we live the best no matter what circumstances come. If you think back to early January, we started this series dealing with relationships. Like we talked about how is it that we can have peace with ourselves, peace in our family and friendships, and that most often our life gets out of balance when relationships get out of balance. Right? I mean, if we, if we don't like who we are, it's hard to live at peace with anybody or anything else. Or if, we, if we're constantly having issues with our closest people, the family or the friends in our life, it's going to affect every other part of our life. And so we said, how do we have peace in relationships? And then Gary and Anna shared their amazing story of peace through some very difficult circumstances. And we learned that, you know, it's not about looking for circumstances to bring peace in our life, but instead it's learning to live at peace peace no matter what circumstance comes. You know, I can't control what's going to happen to me this year. Very, There could be something completely unexpected that comes into my life this year. But what I can control is holding on to Christ and holding on to the peace of God no matter what circumstance comes. And it was a great story that we heard from Gary and Anna about that. And then over the last few weeks, we've been kind of on this part of the series of if we're living in peace and circumstances and relationships, how do we begin to become a person of peace? How do we generate peace and be what we're called to be as be peacemakers in this world? And we've looked over the last few weeks, we said by first modeling what Christ did by being a servant and serving other people, not looking to be served, but to serve. And last week, we dealt with a tough topic of forgiveness. Like, how do we become people who not only can experience forgiveness, but then express that forgiveness out to other people? And again, that's incredibly modeled by Christ. And I think we're learning that as we become people who serve, people who forgive, and then today we're looking at becoming a person of generosity, when we see these things beginning to act in our life, we become peacemakers. We're not just experiencing peace in our life. We're actually taking peace with us wherever we go. We are kind of the ones that can be able to walk into a circumstance and kind of bring it down a notch, like calm it down a little bit. I don't know, you know, sometimes my family just can be through the roof. Not, not just Katie and the kids, but like my extended family. It can get crazy sometimes. A good crazy often, but it can be crazy. And we have certain people in our family that are just peacemakers. They walk in and just, you know, tensions can kind of go down. Maybe at work, you know, there are certain people you may know that, man, things can be going crazy at work, but when they just walk in, it seems like things just tone it down a notch. That's the mark of a peacemaker. And it's usually somebody who is a servant, somebody who forgives, and somebody who is generous. And so we're going to be looking at this idea of generosity today. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 8. We're going to be reading that in, in just a few minutes. Um, but I want to be very clear today as we start looking at generosity. Most of the times when you hear the word generosity, you think, okay, that's just the preacher's way of saying we're talking about money today. All right? I want to be very clear. This is not a message about money. And I want to be clear on the front end. This is not my goal to try to get you to tithe more or give all your money to the church. That's not what this message is about today at all. Generosity is often very different than just giving money to something, and we're going to see that today. This is a message that is rooted in the idea of learning to live at peace with what we have and what God's given us instead of what we don't have or what we think we deserve. 
and using what God has given us to be a blessing to other people. So I want to start with a simple question. What is it that you're lacking in your life right now? What is it that you need more money for? Or more resources? What material thing do you feel like that if you possess this, it would complete you or make your life more manageable? You know, that's the question we're actually asked almost over and over. every. That's what advertisement and marketing is built off of, isn't it? You need this. I call it the Amazon culture, right? I mean, we if you get on Amazon and you say, oh, I need, I need to order this. I need to order some dog food off Amazon. And you go to order dog food. You click on that. What do they do at the bottom? They say, often people who bought this, bought this, this, and this as well. You know, well, of course I need those things. I mean, if other people bought those, I need to buy those too. And you click on those things, and then what does it tell you? Well, other people who bought these things then bought these things. Because well, I think if you followed the cycle, you would end up buying every product on Amazon at some point. And it's just, like, it's funny, I'll get on there, and like, it reminds me now, like, you bought this a couple of months ago. Don't you need it again? I mean, it's just this idea. It's building off of this concept that we think we ought to wake up every morning and ask ourselves, what do I need today? What do I need to get through the day? And I want us to see that generosity is actually the opposite of that question. It's not waking up and saying, what do I need to get through today? It's actually asking this question, what do I have to give today? What is it that I've been blessed with? What is it that I've received that I have the opportunity to give today? There's a great passage in Proverbs. I just want to read this to you. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. It says this. This is like the opposite of the Amazon culture. It says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and he only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched. And the one who waters will himself be watered. It's just this amazing truth, this proverb that reminds us the way that we actually grow, we get richer in the things, not, maybe not specifically in our bank account, but in our lives are enriched, is when we are generous, when we give, not when we try to hoard and hold on to. You know, it's this idea that if we look to our material possessions to bring us peace, then we are going to become consumed with growing our stash and protecting what we have. I mean, that, that's kind of where we get like, okay, I've got to this level, I've got to make sure, you know, financially, we don't, we don't go below this level again. Or we've got to get here, I want to get to this next level. And we start having this protective spirit instead of this giving spirit. And we'll do anything to protect our stuff. It's like, I mean, it reminds me of like the Old West, you know, and somebody would step onto your homestead and you'd be like, don't take another step closer, you know. Not that I lived in the Old West, but I, I do remember one time growing up, um, my, it was me and my brother living at home, and we had gotten rumor that somebody was going to come and roll our house, like toilet paper our house. And my dad, this did not set well with my dad at all. And he's like, boys, we're not sleeping tonight. We're going to protect this house. And uh, we go out across the street. We have like water balloons ready for them when they show up. And we're walking out the house. I'm not joking here. I turn around and my dad has a shotgun. And I'm like, 
He's like, I just had an idea. I'm going to hide in the bushes. And when they show up, I'm going to fire one up into the sky. And I'm like, Dad, it's always just toilet paper. You don't have to, you know, they're not invading the house. But he did. He had, but luckily for them, they did not show up that night. Or you, I don't know what would have happened. But it's that idea of like, I've got something. It's mine. I'm protecting it at all cost. And that's not what generosity is. It's actually the opposite. And generosity is, again, looking at what we have and how do we let it go. How do we use it to bless other people? How do we begin to get this thought process in our mind? It starts with having, I think, a proper view of God. Many of us, I think, you know, we've grown up, in, some of us that have grown up in church, or maybe you've never been in church, and you kind of have this mindset of this understanding of God, that God is really not a generous God. Maybe that's what your thought process is that, you know, he's not very generous. He's somebody we've got to beg with, plead with, and sacrifice for, for him to just give us a a barely little bit of what he has. You know, I, I must not be getting God's blessings because I'm not doing enough. So I've got to do more to please him, and in doing that, then maybe he'll be kind and generous at some... I want you to understand, that is not the God of Scripture. That's not the way God is even portrayed in Scripture. I want you to understand, at His very core, God gives. God is generous. Think about the very early parts of creation. He created a garden for people, for His creation to live in. He gave it to them. He gave life. He, up to the point that He even gave Christ as a sacrifice. He constantly gave. God constantly gives at his very core. He is a generous, generous in his character and nature. And God's generosity, I want you to hear this, is not based on our character. Thank the Lord, right? It's not based on the fact of what I have to do to earn his generosity. It's based on his character. And so he gives because he is generous in nature, not because it's something we've earned. And I know I say this often, but generosity it really, and grace really isn't grace if it's something we've earned. Right? Generosity is often shown because it's somebody in need. It's not something they've earned or they've shown they're deserving for. It's that we see a need and we respond to that need. And so having a proper view of God is a key idea. And I just want to challenge your thinking this morning. If you think that we have to appease God for Him to be generous with us, that is not the God of Scripture. It's not the way that He is portrayed in Scripture, and it's not the way that I have seen Him work in my life and many other people's lives. He is a generous God by nature. So I want us to look at this passage out of 2 Corinthians today and take this idea of that if God is a generous God and we're becoming more and more, try to become more like Christ and, and the character and nature of God through following Christ, then how does generosity begin to play out in our life? And this passage in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing a letter to a church in Corinth. It was a church that was growing, married similar to ours, kind of a new church. New people were coming, and he was trying to give them examples to live by. And one of the examples he gave them to live by were these, this group of believers in a place called Macedonia. And he said, I want to tell you about these Macedonian people and something that you can learn from them. And so that's where we pick it up here in chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And so let me read these for us right quick, and we're going to grab a few truths out of here. It says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. 
For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have been overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So catch what he said right there. Even though these aren't rich people, the Macedonians, they knew the Macedonians weren't rich people. As a matter of fact, they had gone through some trials and struggles, but he said even in that, their generosity has overflowed. It is shown on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, on their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So catch this. Here's the, here's the understanding here. It's not just the Macedonians gave. It's not like they heard about a need and they said, okay, we'll, we'll help and we'll give a little bit. They, they gave out of extreme poverty. They, they said, look, we don't have much, but what we do have, if you can use it, it's yours. And then they said, I love the last part here, it's not just they, they gave because somebody asked them to, they actually saw the need and said, let us help. They begged to be a part of the solution. They didn't wait and react, they responded. And we're going to see some incredible truths that help us to begin to live the same way. And so the first thing I want us to see is how do we begin to live generously? Look at the first part of verse 2 there. It says, For in their severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. The first thing I want you to see is this. To live generously, we need to give liberally. Give liberally. Generosity is an attitude as much as it is an action. Having this mindset that I want to give what God has given me to bless other people. It's seeing a need and asking yourself, how can I bring God's grace and peace into this need? How can I be an instrument of God in this situation? Well, giving liberally sometimes involves money, sure. But that's not what giving liberally always means. It's just giving more money. It will often mean that you have to give your time. That you have to give attention to something that maybe you don't want to give attention to. Or you have to help people in areas that you're gifted in and they're not. It's not simply writing a check and saying, here. It's actually giving liberally means you get involved. You step into the situation. You don't just try to be a, a part of the solution. You step in and be the solution. Sometimes just our presence makes a big deal. Just being there and walking with somebody is a big deal. Letting it overflow. So give liberally. Give, engage with the solution. The second thing that we see here is that it says, as I mentioned earlier, for they gave according to their means and even beyond their means. So don't just give liberally, but give sacrificially. Give sacrificially. This is probably the most underappreciated and underapplied principle in our Christian living today, is to give sacrificially. I mean, we, we are in a culture, you know, of you know, our democratic capitalist society where we say, you know, it's about what I can get out of this for me, and I work, I get this, somebody doesn't work, they don't get this, and we look at somebody who may be in need and we go, well, if that person would just work harder, then maybe they could solve their own problems and stuff like that. I was actually on, you know, our, our current political environment we in always creates some interesting Facebook posts uh, on people's pages sometimes. I don't post, like, political stuff because it's... It's craziness. But anyway, I, I remember seeing on somebody's Facebook post, as I even had to write it down so I remember it, somebody said, you know, as a Christian, we can't be socialist. We can't help everybody, 
People should only get what they deserve. And I thought, you know what? I would hate to actually have to live by that as a Christian. Because what I deserve from God is not grace. What I deserve from God is judgment for my sin where I fall short. And generosity, I'm not getting into political date here today. It's not who you're, who we support, but it's this idea that we as Christians ought to be examples in our culture and our society who give sacrificially to help people and others in need. To give sacrificially. Give what you can. Even sometimes give when it hurts to give because we see others in need. You want to truly have influence in somebody's life? Sacrifice for them. You want to be able to speak truth into somebody's life? Sacrifice for them. Set yourself aside for their needs and you will have every opportunity and every open door to speak truth into their life. That's why God lays this example down. It's not saying empty your checking account, cash in your 401k and give all your money away. That's not what sacrificial giving is. Sacrificial giving is choosing to sometimes elevate the needs of others above yourself. And in doing so, creating a platform for conversation and influence. So give sacrificially. The third thing is this. Uh, I love how here, again, I mentioned, is they begged earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. They begged to be a part of it. And this is the idea of to give cheerfully. Right? Don't give begrudgingly. True generosity is cheerful and voluntary. It's not compulsory or with complaining. We give cheerfully because it trusts that we, we are doing something that God has called us to do. You know why sometimes it's hard to give cheerfully? Because I feel like if I'm going to do something for somebody, and we're just a very tangible example. Say I give this guy $10. He says he needs money and I give him $10. What if he doesn't spend that $10 wisely? What if he spends it on something that he doesn't need? You know what? That's... The, the joy of generosity and giving cheerfully is being obedient in giving, not necessarily worrying about what they're going to do with it when you give. And that's not just financially, that's in time and sacrifice. To give cheerfully. Cheerful giving comes from a heart surrendered to God instead of a heart that is suffocated by materialistic desires. It is a heart that is saying, God, what I have is yours. And we learn to live open-handedly, which leads us to the last part here. It says... And then, in the last part of this verse, it says, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. As they gave spontaneously. As they saw a need, they met it. A heart filled with the gospel of generosity does not wait for opportunity to give and intentionally seeks them out. True generosity looks for chances to bless others instead of waiting for opportunities to respond. So my question to you today is this. How are you at living generously? Do you spend more time trying to defend your stuff? Or do you use it searching for ways to be generous? Do you come out of your house with a shotgun ready to, you know, if somebody's coming after your stuff, you're going to defend your stuff? Or do you live open-handedly? And when somebody needs something, you can easily take it out and give. Let me tell you, there's an incredible secret to living generously that I've seen play out in my life. When I see somebody in need, and I use something that God has given me to meet a need, when I have a need in my life, do you know what God sends my way? Somebody who can help meet that need in my life. 
It's this flow. It's this idea that as I give, somebody will give to me. And it creates this dependent spirit on one another, which is what God calls us to live as a brotherhood. As people who are in love with one another and have deep love for one another. And deep love when it comes when you are dependent upon one another. And I love living in a community and connecting with people that it's okay for me to depend on them sometimes and it's okay for them to depend on me sometimes. It's this cycle of generosity. And I want to encourage you. Maybe you've kind of stepped out of that cycle. Maybe you find yourself, you know, you're... You, you become kind of a hoarder, not just of stuff, but you, you, you're, you're isolating yourself. And maybe you'll be a little generous. Maybe you'll, hey, I'll do a little here, a little there. Would you, I want to challenge you this week, for seven days, would you try to live open-handedly? Open-handedly. When you see a need and you can meet that need, would you meet it? When you have opportunity, would you step into that opportunity? Instead of waiting for somebody to come to you and ask, when you see, would you take initiative? And see how God blesses you and people being generous to you as you are generous to others. It's this cycle that we can live in. And the way that when we step out of that cycle, we isolate ourselves and we miss out on the Christian community that God wants us to have. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me as we pray this morning?